Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair, celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, good Saturday, good morning, a little bit wet, chilly, away we go. But golly, we're in the middle of the end of July, the middle of the summer. The heat is upon it. It is well. It's nice and comfortable today. If you don't mind the rain, and all the plants are healthy, everything will be green, lush, and friendly soon, including the weeds. Well, Mike Miller talked about that in the garden hotline this morning. We talk about all things around your home, your office, any buildings you're responsible for, the health, safety, maintenance, longevity, and protecting the investment you have in buildings and your home. Phone lines here on KMOX. We have two full hours, no guests. The format is two hours, questions and answers. Call in with any questions you have. Favorite experiences, things you'd like to share with the universal family of KMOX right here in the middle of the country. If you can hear my voice, we are part and you are part of the KMOX listening family. Together in the middle of the country, that includes about five states uh, lots of counties around here we all experience different weather patterns sometimes as i'm speaking right here on camo x and the phones to connect us through the miracle of modern radio 314-436-7900-436-7900 toll free 800-925-1120 if you'd like to listen live you can tune in to the camox.com website and listen live or take me with you anywhere you like on a smartphone smartphone through the app app of odyssey a u d a c y application there and that you can get uh, any place you get uh, normal applications there whether it is uh, whatever operating system you have uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 today is the origin of close of humidity of heavy air um, all kinds of things that we talk about in the middle of the country that we are just a little bit unique because if you get much further than us here you go up north and you get into Canada and areas uh, you know where it gets chillier and colder in the winter it dries out even in the summer well conversely down to the south Alabama down in New Orleans southern Miami or southern Florida holy smokes it gets even more humid oh all those things affect various um, building components affect us individually and as well defines some of the equipment we have in our homes for example the air conditioners we share uh, many of which are in short supply right now i mean everything else is in short supply but golly if you have an air conditioner that goes on the fritz now wow well uh it's the middle of the summer the ac techs are busy 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 and their choice of equipment to purchase uh, is a shorter list because, you know, we've been disrupted by this whole pandemic thing, international politics, uh, and the manufacturing um, interruptions that come with this silly pandemic of COVID. So if you're looking for a part, you likely in the AC world will likely be uh, offered, well, you know, I can get that part in two to three weeks. Uh, or maybe I can get the whole air conditioning system, you know, if you don't mind changing the whole system, you know, in a few days. And that's because, um, you know, many of the companies, many of the suppliers knew this was coming and they just bought a big cache of equipment. 
And But when you're buying parts, they don't know what parts to buy because there's so many different manufacturers. Um, and, you know, there are a few pieces that are interchangeable brand to brand. But generally, you might be faced with not only changing the whole system or, or just adding, you know, a pound or two of the old R22 Freon. You know, and, you know, that could be $200 just for a couple pounds plus labor. So there are just so many things happening, um, and all those things are kind of the perfect storm of replacing your system. But I also want to go online and on record that if you've got a system that's about 10 or 12 years old and you're getting any kind of problems, my advice is, you know, go ahead and change it out, upgrade, update, uh, and don't miss some of the opportunities for getting to a higher SEER S-E-E-R, and that is kind of like a miles per gallon rating of efficiency on ACs. If you get above, I think, a 16 SEER, somewhere around there, the the tax credits and incentives to help you pay for that more expensive, higher performing, more energy conserving piece of equipment, you can get a little bit of help. So just be aware that there is a big movement to upgrade to new equipment which means to cut the energy load requirements on our utilities and our environment, all of that together, just to get a little bit more efficient AC. So everybody's trying to save a few bucks, both on building new power plants, uh, new grid systems, all of that. Anyway, you can get into all of that. That's a sidebar. The be- The point being that you may find yourself posed with, well, I really didn't want to change the whole AC system, but now I will. So anyway, my advice to you, we can talk about that today is, you know, how you uh, go about checking some of those systems and various things. Anyway, questions and answers. Scott Mosby here at your service. Two full hours. Uh, My day job is Mosby Building Arts. Uh, We were founded in 1947 by my dad, Sam Mosby. I'm a great generalist. I know a little about a lot. And when we have to get down to the real brass tacks of analyzing various deep systems, I sometimes have to, you know, just defer to the listeners of CAMWEX. And we have a ton of professional contractors generally driving around on Saturdays and listening as part of the CAMWEX family. So we get some pretty good help here, you know, from the pros in Dover, if you will, right here in the middle of St. Louis. 314-436-7900-800-900. 9251120 it is raining we've got a little bit more rain in the in the uh, forecasts so we're going to talk about a lot of things around just be aware humidity is a big part of life and if you're getting into uh, even things like electronics and electrical systems um for example uh, a grounded electrical outlet is kind of a big deal because if you have any kind of a static electricity, which years ago as you'd shuffle your feet across the floor and you you know maybe it's dry and you touch something and there's a static shock, well, sometimes those shocks in an ungrounded system can blow out some electronical systems. So you know there are reasons why we have all these grounded and double grounded electrical things. But then keep in mind the air is wet. It's full of moisture, humidity. So as we talk about relative humidity, the air becomes an even better transmitter of electrical current, which on a day like today with high humidity, it dissipates those static shocks that might come around your home. But likewise, if you do have one, 
it also supplements, makes it easier for that electrical current to flow through the air, you know, so instead of being, you know, quarter of an inch from the uh, metal door sliding frame on your patio door, and it's about to shock you, you know, you you might even, you know, be there, uh, you know, you ha- might have to get closer now before that shock happens. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name's Scott Mosby. I love being here. This is one of my favorite things in the week. Thank you for being part of this show. I'm going to take a short pause and come back for more, but promise you this, we will talk about many things throughout the show, and I promise to uh, give you my best. Uh, Sometimes if I don't know the direct answer, I'll give you the logic and what I do know, so you can kind of noodle it through and figure it out as well. Uh, So I consider myself a pretty good problem solver. I may not know everything, but I know a lot about the laws of physics and the background system uh, awareness of how it's put together and what's being driven uh, by some of those problems. So anyway, we'll talk about that. Uh, Are you a fan of the Olympics? Wow, yeah, that's a little spooky. Having an entire city built for an event. All dressed up, nobody came, just the athletes. (laughs) Oh well, we've got smaller problems here in St. Louis. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, at your service, I will be right back. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, let's wrap up these generators here. A little help from Amra and Bosco. My pet gerbils in the back with the uh, treadmill pumping out lots of electricity so we can get to the phone lines and answer this call. Let's start with my friend Nancy. Nancy, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you this fine Saturday morning? Well, we have a question. Um, Mm -hmm. Our house is needing a new roof, and the chimney probably needs to be tuck pointed. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ever been tuck pointed. And we noticed that the flashing at the bottom of the chimney is coming up, so it probably needs to be replaced. But our question is, which one do we do first? Uh, Chimney first. Uh, and ideally, if you can find a company that will do them both together, because you actually have three systems there. Uh, for example, if you buy a new roof, 90% of the roofers will show up and change the roof and not the flashing, and they won't, you'll never hear about it. Um, if you don't tuck point the chimney, and that includes on a masonry chimney, brick or stone, there's a big cement cap up on the top. So there are just a lot of things that get in there. So if you can isolate the warranty, responsibility into one entity, whether it's the tuck pointing, the flashing, or the roof. As a consumer, all we care is keep the water out. You know, so that's what is to be requested. And if you get into different companies, and, and frankly, a lot of these roofers um, are not as good at flashing as they might be because it's a metal material. And sometimes it takes a little bit of shingles, a little bit of metal, a little bit of um, ice and water roofing membrane. Uh, so it, it, it can be a little tougher. And in the middle of the country here, uh, Nancy, you may have, you know, in some of the valleys, or, or uh, intersections between chimney, uh, siding, and then roof slopes, you know, you can get a stack of 20 to 24 inch deep snow and sometimes ice in the middle of the winter. So normal flashing that goes up underneath the siding, maybe two or three inches, 
just isn't enough because when that snow melts on the warmer days, you know, it turns into water. The water soaks through the siding, gets behind the flashing and down under the roof. Now you've got this water leak on a roof for rain where everything is built correctly. But when you get into the ice and the snow, you know, you never can go too far. So anyway, if you can get one company that does it all, that's the easiest part and ask them about all three different things. You know, how are you going to go about doing it? Who's going to put it in? You know, just ask questions. You can't, you, it, this sounds really interesting. You can't be uninformed enough. There are no stupid questions. Keep asking the questions and you can see how they handle the questions and then ask them, are you going to, are these your own employees? You're going to subcontract this out? Uh, Because right now, even for companies that have very tight relationships with subcontracted companies, uh, everybody is so busy that you may not get their A list of subcontractors. You may not even get their B list of some kind of subcontractors. You might get their C list. You know, so these guys may be new to your contractor as well as to you. So just be aware, uh, you know, that uh, this is one of the $64 questions because the intersection between masonry, siding, roof, and flashing is a big deal. So anyway. Mm-hmm. How's you that? don't have any um, people that you would recommend? Well, I mean, we're in that business, but, but you know, again, it, it, that's self-serving for me. But we're built that way just for that reason because, you know, a roofer doesn't really want to get too involved in tuck pointing unless they understand it. And then if they really know it and they have somebody, then they they want that responsibility because they can control the water for the people that don't know it they stay out of it you see so uh, it, it's hard to find and, and th- these are all our employees too so you know there's a company that does it all then subcontracts it all which is 99 percent of the industry and then there's a company that has their own employees and that's because of the training it's like okay you need to leave this open until the you know the roofer gets here so that flashing can be properly removed and then tuck pointing done and anyway uh-huh. but my point being direct question direct answer to question is you don't want to change a new roof and they have a whole bunch of guys crawl all over those brand new roof shingles while they're tuck pointing your chimney okay okay and and did you say that your company does tuck pointing and roof yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, maybe I'll and give that, you the call. And that's why, you know, okay. because we want that responsibility because yeah. if we can't control all the pieces, you know, if we're just doing one-third of the work, well, you're getting a one-third reliable water stop, right. you know, because we didn't play with the other two-thirds of pieces, you know, uh-huh. and sometimes we get up and then and then you throw gutters in there. It's like, well, this gutter is just going to overflow and back up underneath all that whiz-bang new flashing and, and shingles you put on. So... Be prepared for some, um, yeah, we want to do this, but we want to do, we want to go too far. You know, we want to take the gutter off and put it back on. Well, that means that the roofing membrane wraps down behind the gutter. So when that gutter overflows, it stays outside of the house. It may drip back from behind the gutter, but at least you're keeping it out of the house. Yeah. Well, I have one more question. We noticed like a black mildew and it's like all over the brick of the chimney. And we don't even use our fireplace. Um, and our house is like a light yellow, and it looks terrible. Yep. What could that be? Oh, it's just moisture. Uh, what is your chimney made of? What material is it? Oh, God. Is it brick or siding? Oh, it's brick. It's, the whole house is brick. Yeah. 
Oh, well, it's a beautiful house. Well, brick, especially if it's an old used porous brick, which is a beautiful brick, that stuff is stacked up sponges. So they get wet. They stay wet. You get a little bit of shade up there, not any sun, not a lot of breeze. You you can have black spots on that brick. And again, if you have older used brick, uh, then you need to power wash that stuff and seal it too, because that it, that stuff. Um, one of the big whiz bang, you know, building technologists claims it takes brick about 20 seconds to leak water behind it, mm. especially used brick. And wow. that that just blew my mind that water. But if you think about it, you know, brick gets bigger and smaller, bigger and smaller, bigger and smaller. And then you've got the tuck pointing material, the sand and the, and the mortar, and and it changes at a different rate. It's even a different color. And so in direct sunlight, the brick might be. 50, 60 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the tuck pointing by color. Well, that expansion and contract, well, so now you have this joint going right through between brick and mortar itself, and then you get a proper hose on that thing, and you got water coming in on the backside, uh, you know. And anyway, the point being the brick is wet all the time and in the right circumstances, which we've had since, golly, March, uh, high humidity um, and high heat, uh, and you know, just makes those. It's mildew growing on your brick. Oh, they'll be able to get that off though by power washing it, won't they? A little bit. Some of it, yeah, you do. The issue is we've had so much rain that to get the brick dry enough to properly seal it. Uh, yeah. that can be a challenge. You know, it's like, okay, don't wax your car until it's dry for two days or don't seal your driveway until it's really, well, good luck yeah. with that now. So when do you suggest that we should do all this? Like well, now? I, 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 well, if you start now with the phone call, it'll be four months before you get somebody up on your roof just because of the supply of shingles, the backlog of labor, and all of that. It's just the shape of things to come. Wow. Uh, so, you're, you know, just be aware there is a real lag time in the entire industry. There always was because the better ones want to plan the work, and that yeah. takes some powwows and some planning and then some coordination. Well, now you throw in there, oh, and by the way, you can't get those shingles for two months. You know, and on and yeah. on and on you go. Wow, because so. that will put us right, like, in the heart of winter then. Well, not really. It it also gets you into the driest time of the year. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think I'll, I'll give you a call and have somebody come out and talk to us about all of it. Yeah, and I, I want to be clear. There are other companies that do it the way we do, but very few because it's expensive to have all those tradesmen. Uh, what we get out of the deals, we get to train them and then they stay. Whereas, you know, if you're subcontracting, you don't know whether, you know, the subcontractor is putting Mo, Larry, Curly or, you know, Wizard Bob right. on. You, you don't know. Right. And then you don't know when the roofer's going to show up. At least you guys are there to do the whole kit and caboodle. So. Right, right. I mean, okay, it's still a sequential thing. It still may take a month to get the whole project done, but at uh, least it, you know, week one follows, you know, two follows one and three follows two instead of, well, we'll be back in a month. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm without a flashing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. You've answered our questions. Okay, take care, Nancy. Okay, bye. bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Again, I don't want to appear too self-serving, but there's a reason why we do the stuff the way we do. Um, we are very vertically integrated in the business world. What that really means is things that didn't work for us over the last 70 years, we just fixed it. 
And sometimes that meant going into that part of the business because, you know, you can find trade skills, you can find good tradesmen, or they don't phone, answer phone calls, or they don't warranty as well, or there's just one or two guys, and yes, they will warranty when they're finished with this job, which could be, you know, three months later, and, you know, so it just, uh, um, there are benefits for what we do because uh, we just want to be liked. We want to be invited to the party when the uh, job is done. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's see what's cooking with Denny. Hey, Denny, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you in this first hour of KMOX? Good morning, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. This is I'm actually calling about my son's house. He bought it about six months ago, and I'm trying to help him kind of get things going in the right direction. He has a traditional poured concrete basement foundation next to it is a laundry room um and bathroom uh in between in between the basement and the garage and underneath that laundry room and and uh bathroom is a crawl space so the question is between the crawl space area and the main basement area should that be sealed off should those two areas be separated or he was kind of suggesting to me maybe we should just leave the crawl space open so it ventilates into the main basement area. And I'm I'm not sure what the right approach is. Uh, vent, open, accessible, and ventilated uh, is good. Uh, ventilated into the basement, if you can't do it any other way, and that's usually why they're built that way, is because of the grade and trying to vent a crawl space out you might be underneath the soil up on the front of the house or the side or exterior so oftentimes they are connected through the basement if you do have that situation I would check uh, oftentimes I'll run a dehumidifier in that crawl space so keep it open keep it accessible don't trap it don't uh, I mean the idea is you have high humidity so you can have a little mold and mildew growing down there it can get wet at times in heavy persistent saturating rain storms that's why i'm advocating a dehumidifier so that you can somewhat dry that air out before it mixes with the basement but uh that's that's one thing that um you know i have some friends with crawl spaces like that you know and we'll go over for a party and i'll say you mind if i go downstairs and take a you know i go down with a flashlight and i snoop around and <laughs> you know, i take a look and they think i'm a little odd which i am <laughs> but you know again it's like you know it just they don't really know what they're looking for and then Typically, they'll say, was that all I need to do is just look in and see if, yeah, just look and see if it looks like everything's okay. Well, uh, first of all, you're welcome to come over with a flashlight and look around at my house any day because I know you've got the knowledge that you probably could point a few things out. Denny, I um, eat a lot. That's a big overhead (laughs) ask right there, man. (laughs) But I guess there's there's another uh, side reason I ask about the sealing off versus leaving it open is it seems like lately, and of course, we're not even – really at that season where the critters start coming in. He's had a couple of mice come into the main basement, and I'm positive yeah. they're coming in through the uh, crawl space. Yeah. And so I guess if if nothing else, we probably need to put some kind of rodent barriers between the crawl space and the main basement, I'm thinking. Yes, yes. And it may even need to be hardware cloth and bug screen as well uh, to keep mm-hmm. the little critters from eating through. But uh, likewise, the one way to find where those critters come in 
is on a bright, shiny day to go into that crawl space and just sit, you know, and that sounds weird, but this is one of the weird things no, I, I do. It, yeah. You know, you can see every source of light, and that's the way to go hunting for how do I plug up and keep the critters from coming in because they'll come in through a pencil diameter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, And it's not even that season where they want to look for warmth. They're already starting to kind of find their way in, so we gotta got to address this quickly. Yeah, you, you your instincts are following. You, you just follow your instincts. You're going really the right way about this, Denny. You know, as far as critters and venting and all that. You're you're you've got a suspicion. You know, and I'm just confirming your thoughts here as what I think's happening here. So follow your gut, brother. Very good. All right. Well, thanks for the great advice, Scott. Appreciate your show very much. All right, Denny. Take care. Thanks. Bye. And again, in terms of looking in crawl spaces, take a walk about about the house. I'm just a big proponent that you don't need to know anything to know when you feel uncomfortable. So if you're not in the building business, but you walk around the outside of your house and, you know, for example, you know, like Nancy's house, it's yellow. Well, you know, golly, that's a bright, cheery house. And when you have spots on something that's, you know, it's like, well, that's, you know, there, you know, that. That's not right. Who do I talk to about that? And that's the purpose of KMOX and why we have these at your, at your service weekend uh, shows with Mike Miller, Scott Mosby, and all the you know investment channel, you know, the various ways. So we're here to help you figure things out. We may not necessarily be the guys that come fix it, but we can sure help you noodle through as to figure out how to go about starting that wheel rolling. Because as homeowners and occupants, it's our responsibility to keep ourselves healthy and safe and sound as well as our houses. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I love doing this stuff. And if you want to know what my life is like at cocktail parties, this is what I talk about. You know, because that's what I do. And some of the best ideas I get come from those parties. Hey, you know what I did? I heard you say this. You You know what I discovered? My neighbor did this thing. And like, wow, that's that's brilliant, you know. Because I am from the industry. I'm a product of, you know, my training and my experience. No more, no less. Uh, But uh, sometimes some of the best ideas come from outside the industry because that question comes from a place of they don't know any better to know that it shouldn't be the answer. But sometimes it is. (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but, uh, you know, we don't know what we don't know, both inside the industry and outside the industry. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby at your service, the Helitech Home Improvement Show. I love being here, and I'll be right back after this fine message from CamoX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair, celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, yeah, with a little bit of rain and drizzle happening out there in your part of the country. It may be, uh, you know, pouring. It may be dry. It may be overcast. But it's a wet day today, and because of that, I want to go to Gary here. Gary, uh, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How can I help you there, my friend? Well, I got two questions for you, if I may. Yeah. The first one is, uh, recently on the news, they've had some cases where electricity backfed into people's businesses and blew their circuitry in their business. And I was wondering, would a surge protector on my house protect me from that? 
Uh, surge protector is only spiking voltage. Um, so yes, it does, um, but it's more uh, voltage spike than it is a lot. It's intended for a lightning charge, and lightning charge is not a lot of power, but it is a ton of voltage, and voltage delivers um, impact fast. So it, the voltage means you're getting, you know, a pipeline that's 12 feet in diameter to deliver not a whole lot, but it's, you're getting so much so fast. So the answer is yes, better than nothing. Um, but when you get a real surge coming through the line, I mean, you might have a 200 amp breaker. Well, until it exceeds 200 amps, it, it, it thinks everything's cool. You know, so I mean, if you get 400 amps, yeah, it'll it'll that breaker will trip. But a surge protector is most mostly, as I understand it, is mostly for an, an intense amount of voltage. Okay, so so is so that yes, economical to put on a house? Yeah, so let me let me let me say it this way: uh, I've had surge protectors on my house for 20 years because they're a cheap date. You know, I mean, they're $500 or whatever they are. But when I change out a service panel, I put surge protectors on there. They look like one of those upsell things uh, until you blow out two or three TVs and you bought, you know, five surge protectors just on replacing TVs. So, you know, just be aware that uh, I like them. I like surge protectors. They're on my house. I've had them on for a long, long time. Uh, Would would an electric company be able to install that? Oh, yeah. Electricians do this stuff all the time. It's, uh, you know, it it, is just, I mean, you have a surge protector, you know, on your computer. So anything valuable, you have a surge, golly, not on your house. So, again, you know, some people have, you know, lightning rods on their homes because they're at the top of the hill and, you know, the ground is full of of lead and iron. So uh, I am a big fan of... um, um, problem avoidance, surge protectors, and, and good grounding. So, yeah, I'm all over okay. that thing, Gary. Um, I have an S-trap in the basement next to my furnace, mm-hmm. and the air conditioner is taking the humidity out of the air and putting it on the floor. And I want to say six, ten years ago, I looked down that sewer, and it looked like there was a membrane that had formed across that floor of that drain about six yeah. inches down. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday I went downstairs and I have a puddle around my sewer like it's not draining. So is that an indicator that that membrane may be keeping it, the water from going through? And oh, sure. have you ever heard of anything like that before? Oh, heavens, yes. Well, think of it this way. Oftentimes those floor drains are in the laundry room, so you pull out a cotton T-shirt and you flop it or pop it, you know, and a little bit of fiber, cotton fiber gets down, gets on the floor, gets, you know, drops in the drain. So you might have a fiber-reinforced membrane, you know, with so you put the dust, you put the, you know, the fabric fibers on there, and, you know, a little bit of rust particle that comes out of the AC pan on the condensate drain, you know, oh, you betcha, you betcha. So uh, yeah. how do I get rid? How do I get rid of that membrane? Just stick a stick yeah. down there and break the membrane. 
Yeah, low tech. I I would uh, do a little spoon or something like that, or uh, you know, j- uh, you know, even a paper towel wrapped stick, something to get the slime because you're also going to have that on the side of the pipe there. So you've got a vertical pipe on the S trap or P trap that you know the riser pipe is going to be coated with all that gook too because it gets moist. Uh, and also be aware as you're doing this, sometimes there's a little bit of acid in that condensate drain. So wear rubber gloves and be prepared for that. Uh, um, okay, so but if yeah, I took a stick and put wire around the rag on the stick, and oh, then yeah. worked around the side of the inside the drain. I would clean that uh, off the side, right? Yes, yes, and and also uh, be prepared for that water uh, coming on the outside of your tubing on that condensate drain. I've seen some pretty odd things that you still may have a condensate pan from the inside of your air conditioning air handler furnace unit, you know, where that water actually flows on the outside of that tubing. So be prepared for more than just a floor drain issue on this little puddle. Okay. Somebody told me that I should get a plumber and have a snake run through it. But I didn't necessarily want to go to that expense because I felt like uh, this might be a little bit of a, a overkill by getting a plumber. Well, you may you may wind up there, Gary, but that typically is because of those very same fabric fibers going down the drain. And uh, after five or ten years, you know, the quiet water is back up line for the floor drain. And generally, the water down line keeps getting flushed out by the pump on that washer, you know, draining. So it's like a garden hose cleaning that part. See, my water but, dryer not in that area because I had that moved before I, when I built the house. Okay. I had okay. it in part of the basement. So that drain gets almost little or no water other than the air conditioner drain feed to it yeah i'll tell you what take a five gallon bucket or a big lawn bucket full of water be prepared for a problem but generally i pull the grate off and i try and force feed that water down there i'll pull the the condensate drain hose and i'll just kind of whoosh kind of like volume wash um that floor drain trying to get a lot of water through there you see what i mean yeah i got you i got you well thanks for your help okay Okay. all right gary you do (laughs) <laughs> take okay. care, brother. We're going to take a short pause. I'm a little gabby this first hour here. We'll be right back after this. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, indeed we are. Right to the phone lines now because I've been Gabby first hour. Let's go to my buddy Kevin. Hey, Kevin, good morning. Scott Mosby here. How can I help you here on University of KMOX? Hi, Scott. Uh, I tapped into a switched 110-volt uh, uh, receptacle for a ceiling fan with uh, a fan motor and an oscillation motor. I At the uh, receptacle... I pigtailed red to red, black to black, white to white, green to green, and ran it up to the ceiling fan box. When I get up to the ceiling fan box, I uh, uh, tied off green to green, white to white. Um, The only way that I can get the fan to work from the switch is to tie both the fan motor and the oscillation motor to the red switched uh, line coming in. Um, and that leaves the black line, the, the constant hot line, uh, open at the top. So I cut off the uh, the constant hot line and capped it. Is it okay like that, or 
am I allowed to have an open hot or is something wrong? Well, uh, if you got into a duplex, uh, what wires were on the duplex? Typically, you'd have only a black, white, and a bare copper. What What did you find in that duplex electrical outlet? It was a single pole with a uh, uh, black, white, or a black, red, and copper. Okay, that black, red. There'll be a white as well down there on that outlet? There had to be yeah, a white? It, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, on, yeah. oh. on the on the on the receptacle, yes, there's a white, and uh, at the switch, there's a white, but it's pushed way way to the back. Uh, I didn't tap in at the switch; I tapped in at the receptacle. Right, right. So what you hook on for your power, and you only need two um, um, conductors, basically. Well, black, white, and bare ground or green. So green is the same as your bare ground. So the red at a duplex would indicate that there is a switched outlet there, and maybe one of those outlets or the entire outlet is switched, like for a lamp in the wall. You follow me so far? Yes, sir. So that may go on and off. So all you need coming out of the electrical panel or that duplex is black, white and bare ground bare ground is the same as green so that's what feeds uh and that power would go up to the fan um the motor body on the ceiling if you will and then a switch leg comes down from there and it breaks the power if you've got uh you know like a fan uh, and a light up there you've got to have an electronic or three wire going up to that so that you're you have a separate power for the fan and a separate power switch so you have a switch for the fan on off if you will and then a separate on off for the light am i following you so far yeah, I, I ran three wire up to the fan. You know, I ran fourteen three instead of fourteen two. Uh, and uh, from where? From where? From the re- from the switched receptacle that the that the wall switch controls. Okay, the wall switch uh, controls a switched receptacle on the opposite wall. Okay, I'm tapped, with you there. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, where I, that's where I tapped in. Uh, uh, to the fan. The fan doesn't have a light, but instead of a light, it's got an oscillation motor. It's it's uh, wall mounted. Um, okay. Hey, I'm running out of time here, uh, Kevin. Okay. I'm. Uh, I, I can help you with this, but uh, hold the line. We can get into this, but I uh, we're getting pretty far down the rabbit hole on some specific. Either way, I would advise that you take your black, white, and ground power off of the source in the switch. Because if you have a switched outlet, it's hard to make hot all the time. Anyway, uh, anyway, we're going to take a short pause. We'll be back. News, weather, and sports right here on University of KMOX. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together, hour two, lunchtime, bean time, <clears throat> center of the day, center of the country, and center of the dial, 1120 KMOX. Take me with you with Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y app. Tune in live, KMOX.com, or just tune in right here on this radio station, or also um, 
uh, on the FM dial, and you can pick me up any of those places. Again, let's talk about a lot of things here. I did get into it with Kevin on electrical. We'll get into that a little bit later, uh, just a little bit further down the rabbit hole for my knowledge. And frankly, uh, I'd prefer, uh, you know, frankly, Kevin, you get with an electrician on this one, but I can help you. I think I know kind of what you're up against anyway. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. So much to talk about. The rain being down in Fredericktown. All right, all you kayakers that are out there down on the St. Francis River, of which I was one many years ago. I used to chase that water and chase those rubber boats, and I chased those eddies and currents, and the the K-1 kayaking on the Olympics was kind of exciting to me. Although, eh, I don't really have the shoulder or the you know the body to spend on that too much anymore but for those of you that chase white water <laughs> it's raining down there in Fredericktown right now uh, phone lines here on camwex 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 we've got some uh, people waiting a little bit let's go to roger see what's happening hey roger uh welcome to camwex how can i help sir hi um i had some work done on my home recently we replaced the flooring and one of the places they replaced it at was the bathroom, and so they had to take up the toilet and put it back down. So when they did that, uh, we noticed a smell coming from that area. So they uh, brought another seal and put the toilet back down on it. And it seemed to it works better, but you're we're still getting a slight smell, and I'm not really sure where it could be coming from. I, I you know they did put clock around the base of the toilet, and they also, um, I don't know if it could be coming out of the area where they bolt down the toilet on the side where there's two bolts. Uh, I'm kind of clueless. Oh, no, no. You're you, you're doing fine on explaining to me. Um, when the toilet, did they uh, raise the horn? Did they raise the thing that the, the two bolts come out of, or did they just put a second wax ring on it? Um. Uh, the wax, yeah, I think they, re, uh, when, so they initially did it, it didn't work, so they bought a new wax ring and they put it on there. Okay, here's it. what, here's what happens, the horn or the T, the, the base mounting piece flange for the toilet, uh, typically, if you have half inch, for example, if you put in uh, another layer of tile or you put in a cement board and another layer of tile, you can come up a half inch or an inch. If you come up more than about three-eighths of an inch, it's recommended that the flange on the toilet, a plumber come in and actually raise that. Um, that is not often done. Uh, so, so you've brought the floor up, which brings the toilet up. The common practice, um, which usually works is putting two wax rings on there there's a uh, a wax ring with a horn that has a little funnel thing coming down on it which helps the the issue is one wax ring is enough under normal circumstances because it compress it gets compressed to about a quarter or three-eighths of an inch and it makes a full seal uh, not related to the caulk at the base of the uh, China. So we'll talk about oh. that in a minute. The point being that there, typically you'll put one wax ring with a horn and a second wax ring underneath it uh, to make up that extra space because one wax ring won't be fat enough to bridge that new three quarters of an inch space or more than half inch. You see what I'm saying? I think I do, but let me just tell you, 
They took up the old flooring before they put down the new flooring. Wow. Well, it should be just a simple wax ring <laughs> issue then. It, but what you're describing is the smell um, and all of that. It can be so that could oftentimes uh, it, it, when the toilet gets reset by a non-plumber, sometime, including me, you know, I know what I'm doing. I've done, a, you know, 50 of these things. That doesn't mean I'm as good as a plumber getting it just right. So my point being that I still think it is the wax ring. I still think it is the seal. And that yeah. smell um, could be an indicator that there is a little bit of leak and it may be very slow. Uh, but the issue is watch your grout lines around the toilet because if water's leaking out, albeit very slowly, from underneath that toilet it'll hit that subgrade and move through the grout and start staining that grout oh yeah good point but what you said uh makes sense i mean yeah. uh, i don't know maybe the new flooring is a little bit higher who knows um well here's one for you that i learned from a plumber um <laughs> Uh, take some peppermint extract from the grocery store. Dollar stuff right there, cheap stuff is fine. Dump it in your toilet, flush the toilet, uh, run the bath fan if you can, because if you get a pungent smell an hour later of peppermint smell, then you probably have a break in that seal because you've got you know peppermint smell down in the pipe. Well, that peppermint is very pungent, um, and and it's a quick way to indicate whether your toilet is sealed and or be prepared for this. How, how old is your house, Roger? It's a, it's a, it was built in the 70s. Okay. Uh, plastic pipe in the basement when you go downstairs? Is it plastic? Um, you know, we had a, a potential water leak in one of the bathrooms upstairs, and when they checked out the pipe, it was actually copper uh, coming out of the bathrooms. Oh wow! And then well, down, down below in the ba- in the basement, it's a big steel pipe. Yeah, cast iron. Well, the the yeah. issue, what I'm getting at, is you can actually rust out the vent pipes in the walls. So this is another way to smell a problem if the pipe inside the wall that goes up through the roof that is an air vent, a makeup air for the water going down the drain. Uh, just be aware of that peppermint uh, smell. If you smell that peppermint, then it's time to, you know, certainly call the guys back or b- better yet, a, a plumber. You well, may have more you. than that a toilet helpful. issue. Huh? That was helpful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just be aware that that pungent peppermint smell when you dump it in the toilet you're going to smell it anyway an hour later that should have dissipated and if you've got a vent fan on in that bathroom it will pull that peppermint you know just from dumping the stuff out but you may have uh probably and i'm saying it's probably 75 80 percent probability that you don't have a seal around the base of the toilet with that wax ring so i think you're correct there be aware there's about a 15-20% chance that that wax ring around the toilet is properly sealed. Everything related to your floor is fine, and you have an additional problem in the wall of a rusted-out cast-iron vent pipe. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I yeah. do need a plumber to evaluate that thing, then. Well, you know, do your because a plumber called and he said, you know, you don't need to do these smoke tests, Scott. You're about to blow people up. Just dump some peppermint, you know, extract down there. You'll get the same thing. So this is courtesy of one of our good plumbers listeners, you know, from years ago. I'll try that. Thank you. Yeah, just, Roger, just keep your mind open. It may be more than where you're looking. Sometimes these hard-to-find ones, when you dance two or three times and get it fixed, either they're doing it wrong, which in two or three times they generally get it right, but the point being that it may be something else as well. Yeah, good point.
<laughs> okay, you can hang up on me now. I, I'm the bearer of bad tidings. How's that? Yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Roger, take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. And again, likewise, it's uh, uh, that kind of thing that uh, don't always – I mean, we're, we're captured by what we think it is. And, you know, you hear all this stuff about the – you know, the uh, is it the science? Is it the uh, – well, real science does not – uh, stop. It continues to ask. It continues to probe. And that's really just troubleshooting. So what if it's not the obvious thing you're looking at? You know, again, it it's just be aware. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service. Hour two right here on KMOX. Stay tuned after these messages. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, Hour 2. Um, uh, we are off and running here. Lots to talk about. It is a wet, wet, wet week, a wet day. Tomorrow, sneaking up on a nice weather day, and it's going to be humid after all this rain we've had here, so keep that in mind. Let's go talk to my friend Lisa. Hey, Lisa, good afternoon. Welcome to Cam Wex. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Uh, got a question here about my water heater. Okay. Um, there has been nobody living at this residence for a while. Should okay. I turn the gas off and drain the tank? Uh, typically, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily, it wouldn't hurt. Uh, are you going to keep it empty for a while in the future? Um, we're in the process of cleaning the house up so we can sell it. Oh, then I wouldn't turn anything off. I would keep all the systems operational and running. Um, but I would go ahead and run some hot water. If that if the hot water in that tank hasn't moved, and even in the pipes and throughout the house, I'd flush all the pipes out of that, you know, in your water heater, drain your water heater, you know, just by running hot water, you know, in the basement or however you want to do it. My point being that if you're going to sell the house, don't shut anything down. In fact, you want to make sure that everything's working so that the house passes the inspection. Okay. Does that well, make sense? Then, and even test things, you know, turn on vent fans, turn on, you know, uh, uh, kitchen vent fans, stuff like that that you think are working. Just make sure they run. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott, for taking my call. I appreciate it. And I'm a avid listener. Oh, well, thank you. Welcome aboard. Thanks for ha- Thanks for being part of our family here, Lisa. All right. Thanks, Scott. Good, good luck selling the house. Should be a good time to sell. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye now. And again, in terms of um, if you come into a house that hasn't been used for a while, it's been vacant, bought out of an estate, uh, foreclosure, something like that. Uh, those houses typically have, you know, it's like an automobile that hasn't run for a while. Or if you've been bedridden for a long time, you know, your your joints don't work, your muscles don't work, the circulatory. So, so I mean, anything that sits 
is is generally not as healthy and reliable as something that has been operating. So even you know dishwashers run those dishwashers through the operating cycle. Um, if you've got a self-cleaning oven, run that uh, oven through the self-cleaning cycle while you're there. Make sure that everything's working fine. You know clothes washers run those, bath fans run those, kitchen fans, uh, AC systems, all that sort of thing. If you think it runs, go ahead and give it a, a, a running thing. Even when we remodel houses, uh, there are some unique things. For example, when we at Mosby Building Arts remodel a kitchen, if we're disconnecting from the waistline in a kitchen sink, we'll stick a towel in that opening so the air doesn't go down in that pipe because there's a whole bunch of food waste. There is um, grease and such that's in the inside of that pipe. And if you let the air get to it, it'll dry out. And then it becomes a chunk of solid something which really can block the line. So it's very common at our company to put a real, you know, a, a, something in there that plugs and, and and sometimes it's a test cap, test T, some sort of, you know, plumbing material. And sometimes it's informal as a, a rag that's just too big to get to fall inside. So just be aware that you really want things running and operating because the inside of those waistlines, you want them still wet so that they stay pliable and draining. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go to Don and see what's cooking. Hey, Don, good afternoon. Welcome to CamWeck, sir. How can I help? Hey, thanks, Scott, for taking my call. Uh, I'm going to make a comment about your previous caller uh, about shutting all the systems down. Yeah. One concern I have about uh, turning off the pilot light on the water heater is uh, you could actually create corrosion inside uh, of the flu with that uh, uh, small pilot yeah. light still burning, you have a little heat and it's going to dry it out and cause uh, a, a, a flow of air. And uh, you don't want to come six months later and find out it's leaking from the inside. Yeah, uh, good I also point. had, uh, I, I'm selling a house right now and I hadn't used my garbage disposal in six months. And the first time I turned it on, I found out that it had rusted inside and froze itself. So I had to go buy it. Oh, wow. So, oh, so wow. you have to make things, you have to use all the appliances even while it's, it's empty. Oh, man. Yeah, good point. Well, so, it's like a car. They say so, if you fire up a car, make sure it runs long enough yeah. to clean out the exhaust system. Same for the exhaust system on a water heater as you're proposing. I, I totally agree. Good point. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so now I'll come to my question. Um, I work at a... <laughs> I'll call it a local hardware store. Uh, uh-huh. It's down in Jefferson County, and uh, we have plumbers come in all the time. And recently we had one come in and state that the old-fashioned saddle valve, or mm-hmm. my father used to call it the vampire tap, for the <laughs> ice maker are yeah. no longer code. They, they, uh, for occupancy, occupancy permit inspections, they will now fail. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, it seems to me I heard something a couple of years ago on that, that they were so unreliable that eventually the code just said, you know what, these things are so problematic. And and if I had to guess, I would guess that the insurance companies probably uh, were behind some of that, too, because uh, they 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 fail so much more often than a regular stop shut off. So, yeah, I, I totally that doesn't mean you're not going to find them in hardware stores and home centers. That just means that oh, they're no. no longer code acceptable. Uh, yeah, I've heard something right. about that. I can't verify it, but I, I will agree with you that, yeah, I'd heard that a few years ago. They're no longer they're no longer acceptable. 
Right, and and we still have them there, and we still sell them. I discourage it uh, if yeah. that should happen to come up. And a lot of times I will redirect the customer to a push-to-connect uh, method. Um, after giving them the do's and don'ts of, of using push-to-connect, they come back in and they love it, and they find out they can connect it in just a couple minutes, and they know they don't have a leak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Yeah, you're getting a little beyond me there on which one, you know, as long as they're, you know, tested and acceptable by the code. And I will say this, you know, just in St. Louis County, there are 90 separate municipalities. They do not all have the same building code. So even though it's in the code, it may not be in Smithville's code or Jonesville's code. It may just be in the new building code. So every city adopts a code and then says, well, we don't like this one, so we're not going to use that. We don't like this one, we're not going to use that. So there is no right. we're not, code. There's yeah, a we're not allowed to give any, any advice about code. And yeah. we just say you're going to have to just have the test done and see what passes and what fails. Yeah. Well, no, good point on that. I appreciate the point about uh, not shutting down the pilot light. That is true, and I'm totally with you there. And, and thanks for bringing up the saddle valves. Uh, describe what a saddle valve is and how it goes on for the listeners that are unfamiliar with this. Oh, you're going to test my knowledge here. Oh, you know um, what I'm talking to. You're a hardware store guy. You're the guy, I go, you're the guy that I learned a third of this stuff from. <laughs> and I'm learning every day. Every day I'm learning something new. Uh, I tell people... Uh, I'm not a plumber, but I do work in the plumbing department. Yeah. Uh, saddle valve is, is basically a, a valve that has two pieces that are uh, uh, shaped to go over the top and bottom. You screw into it, and then you just turn this uh, uh, T-valve, T-screw, and it pokes a hole into the pipe. Uh, so yeah. it's just the pressure onto the outside of the pipe that keeps it from leaking. And the biggest problem with them is... Ten years from now, you decide you want a new uh, ice maker, a new refrigerator, and you try to turn them off, and they will leak. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 100% of the time, they will leak. And it what are they, the, the three customer. or four dollars? They're not exactly built by NASA. No, they're not. And a lot of times, people want to put them right back in the same place. Ooh. And that is not a good thing. You should not put it back in the same hole. Okay, well, Don, thank you, brother. Okay, all right, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Keep those pilot lights running. Uh, Very good advice on water heaters and furnaces as well. Um, You can shut down a pilot light on a cooktop oven or stove. Those really don't really affect too much on condensation. But anything that has an exhaust pipe, a flue pipe, a chimney going out through the roof, a water heater, furnace, um, space heater, something like gas-fired something. That's good advice from Don. Uh, Let's take a short pause and come back for more on University of CAMWEX. This is Scott Mosby, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I am at your service here on KMOX. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 10.15, sponsored by Bath Fitter on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. This is the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair, celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
All right, if you're looking for any information, uh, photos, if you're thinking of doing any remodeling or improvements, whether it's do-it-yourself or professionally done, I invite you to our uh, MosbyBuildingArts.com website. We've been putting together so many photos for so many years that uh, we offer pretty much a showroom online, and that was one of the driving forces behind that, so much so that you know the Google and the search engines don't like all those photos because they've been there for a long time. Well, if you're looking for some ideas and just some color coordination ideas, you know, in the paint and the tile and all, you know, check it out to uh, the same address or two addresses for the same website. One is callmosby.com, C-A-L-L, like telephone call. And the other is mosbybuildingarts.com. Very clever, you know, uh, named right there. Uh, yeah, we know some stuff, or at least we know some stuff about remodeling. And that is mosbybuildingarts.com. Just a great place to start, see what's cooking. Also, there's seminars there. Um, articles written about product services, where to start, how to start products that, you know, we found to be not quite as reliable as others. Anyway, let's go to the phone, see what's happening with Lynn. Hey, Lynn, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you this fine Saturday? Well, hi there. Good morning. Um, I have a couple of problems, and it involves water. Okay. Mm. First off, um, my house was built in the early 70s, and I did have it professionally inspected before I bought it. We go down to the basement, and I pointed out this two-inch open area above a wall, and I asked the gentleman, what is this? And he says, that's a crawl space. And I thought, oh, I don't want a crawl space, you know, because of spiders and whatever. Well, um, the problem started. I do know I have a water accumulation problem along the right side of the house, the rear of the the backyard, and then again on the left side of the house. Okay, my problem started when we had a torrential seven-day rain. Yeah. Um, I go downstairs. It actually looked like a creek. You could, if there was, if it was loaded with trout, you would have catched fish big time. <laughs> I go downstairs and by this so-called crawl space, I had the a beautiful waterfall coming down the wall, and I thought, oh, yeah. holy. How? Okay. Well, a few days ago, it's not a crawl space because a few days ago, I pulled out this lower part of the siding um, off of the built-out fireplace. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, noticed that um, there was a two by six that's partially rotted. It runs horizontal, and then above that. There's a two-by-four sitting on top of that. Um, it kind of reminds me of a what you all call a sill. Mm-hmm. So I did notice the foundation runs from left to right, but underneath this built-out section. I go down to the basement again, and I see light. So this dirt has... Um, covered up this area and i have landscaping there mm-hmm. um i want to know how involved this is going to be to correct this waterfall because it does i'm hoping it can be corrected so what's what, your thoughts well the sill plate or sole plate which is likely the two by six sits on top of the concrete foundation and then the floor joists extend out if i'm understanding this correctly underneath the fireplace if they build the fireplace too close to the soil grade, it's almost impossible to 
properly grade that, or as you say, through the natural, you know, you're seeing uh, sunlight or, you know, opening. And then mm-hmm. if somebody just, you know, like, and for example, selling the house, they push soil up underneath that fireplace, then they're literally mm-hmm. raising the soil so the water falls over the foundation. It, it's there, there should be ideally about eight to 10 inches minimum from the bottom of that fireplace to the top of the soil grade mulch planting whatever surface and ideally Mm -hmm. even more like 18 inches well you know grading and landscaping tends to mess that up but the point being is you're going to need to dig that out from the outside because normally there's a piece of plywood applied on the underside of those floor joists to close that in mostly just for critters and then insulation Mm -hmm. gets stuffed up underneath that fireplace floor joist system but it sounds like you've got, you know, four or five funky wrong things going on, you know, culminating mm-hmm. in this nice waterfall. So I, I, I've seen it before. I, yeah, it's actually pretty easy to fix. However, it's really hard to get to to fix it because you really need mm-hmm. workspace down there. And then you're going to dig this hole to do these repairs. And then you pray it doesn't rain because you now have a hole next to your foundation that if it rains, it all fills up with water. You have to pump that out. And all. You see where I'm going <laughs> with this? Yes. I think you're pretty well on top of this and you understand it. You, you described it, you know, magnificently, by the way, Lynn. So uh, it is pretty much just closing in the bottom. Be aware of rot um, because that soil is so close to that sill plate, sole plate. Uh, look out for bugs, uh, termites, um, <laughs> uh, critters. I do have rot. It... Yeah. I do have rot there on that two by six. Yeah, and that sill plate or sole plate, if it, you know, just get in there with a screwdriver and stab it a few times, you'll know whether it's good or not. If it's not, then that sill plate, sole plate needs to be replaced from the inside and outside. But this is kind of low-tech repair, high uh, discomfort because it's a it's a hard place to get to. Okay. Um, all righty then. <laughs> um, I just don't know who to call. I did have a foundation company out, and he honestly said, um, what I can do for you is not going to correct that. And I said, well, what do you think needs to be done? And his suggestion was, I think you need to pull out your whole fireplace. And I just, my jaw dropped. Um well. You're welcome to call my company. We can size this up pretty quickly because you're looking for a carpenter um, to assess whether or not that framing lumber is there. If you've got a good handyman that you know or somebody that's pretty handy, um, but it's Mm -hmm. uh, since it was not readily visible, you know, you're kind of beyond the scope of a home inspection. You know, people kind of think inspectors should be able to find everything. Well, they can't tear apart your house to look for trouble. Otherwise, your house would be full of holes by the time they left. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, okay. the, but but you're looking for um, just somebody to get in there, uh, a framing carpenter or a carpenter. It's not magic, and it's not real high-tech skills, but, boy, it's a pain in the neck to get to, literally. Um. Okay. All right. Well, shoot, I can dig the dirt out. <laughs> well, I'm kind of advocating that. Fr- frankly, Lynn, I, I would get in there yourself. And, and if you dig a hole, if you just dig a trench out so that if water fills in that hole, it naturally drains, you can kind of leave oh. it alone for a day or two. You see what I mean? Or, you know, or a okay, week or whatever. Sure. 
just get just make sure that water can get out and you can dig down just be aware before you go down there on day number three or four you know take a peek down there and prod around make sure you're not uh you know building a house for a nice new raccoon family oh lordy be <laughs> just be aware you know i mean you know measure twice cut once i was thinking mice and you're saying raccoon is like okay yeah, well yeah you know i think i'd rather deal with a raccoon i can see those rascals the mice i never see those critters oh my gosh okay all right well you're a hoot thank you so much all right lynn good luck okay all right bye-bye bye now and, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, and, and Mike Miller, Camwick Garden Hotline, uh, calls St. Louis the the mulch capital of the world. And that's why. So there's so many issues around uh, leaking foundations and basements and crawl spaces that fill up with water and waterfalls like Lynn had. Because, you know, as the soil, you build a new house in the 70s. So you dig a big hole and you put this concrete box built in it called a foundation. And then you push loose soil up next to it. and You compact it the best you can. Ten years later, it's settled. So now the stuff next to the foundation is 10 inches lower than the foundation around it. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Smith or Landscaper Joe just pushes a little bit of mulch or gravel or something. Well, that just makes a sump. So you're literally collecting water around the foundation. So this is where Helitech gets so motivated. It's like, well, make sure you're getting the soil itself to drain and slope away from the foundation. It's what I call Builder 101. Well, the issue is 10 years after the house was built, you know, all that soil settled next to the foundation causes problems like this. And then you just keep pushing mulch in there or gravel or loose soil and then if you put too much in there and then you know we've had rains like this year when it's you know gosh the rain comes up sometimes and not only does it fall down from the sky it seems to bounce rain up even you know it's so wet that now you get water coming in around the house that you know, normally isn't there. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby on KMOX. I'll be right back for more after this on University of KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together here. We're wrapping up the last few minutes here. Retire Ready coming up next on KMOX. Keep in mind the Cards versus the Twins tonight. Cardinal pregame show 520 right here on KMOX. Lots of things happening. If you're shut in or the rain or you just had enough of being outside and wet and you just want to be in the AC with, uh, you know, that air conditioning drying the air being the dehumidifier it is, which is what that little condensate drain hose is for, well, then just keep tuned to KMOX. Let's go talk to my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime on KMOX. How can I help you here? Hello, Scott, and thanks for taking my call. appreciate your show. Uh, Let me tell you the issue that I've got. I've got a basement wall poor concrete that had some cracks in it and i finally decided to uh, have some people take a look at it and frankly i'm kind of overwhelmed it looks like if you get on the internet there are so many different ways to stabilize this thing that uh, i just thought i would call you and get your opinion on that because for example some people are pitching carbon fiber straps that are i guess anchored to the foundation and to the joists other people will pitch I-beams. Again, they go into the foundation and take it all the way to the joists and uh, anchor it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some companies will drill a hole, a three-quarter inch, 
and go straight out into the uh, your front yard or the side or whatever the for whatever the wall is, and then put a soil anchor, which I understand is like a, a big plate in the soil, and they they will tighten that up and uh, thereby stabilize the wall. And then you have the uh, helical anchors where they drill, I think, at a, a slight angle into the ground with a helix, and then they pull multiple of those and then put a plate inside of the wall. So anyway, I thought I would call you. Uh, I don't know if you have any preferences, but if you could give me some advice about what are the good points, bad points, which ones are the better ones to pursue, uh, I would appreciate it. Well, here I'll start with uh, pretty basic. You're in the nuts and bolts technical of it. Uh, the <laughs> yes, bottom line, yeah, you're pretty deep into the weeds there, Mike. <laughs> um, the, the issue is the wall, uh, the soil got wet outside the house. Freezing temperatures penetrated so deep into the soil, it froze that water, which expanded the ground and pushed the water over. This happens up at the top of the wall where it gets wettest and the freeze occurs. So at the weakest part of the foundation top of the wall, this expansion happened. And this goes back, Mike, to you and me when we were kids and they used to throw those 55-gallon metal drums in the swimming pools over the winter so that when water froze inside the pool, instead of blowing the four sides of the pool apart through expansion, it would expand and lift those barrels up well that's what caused the the issue on your house Uh, so it's not uncommon it's unfortunate it's scary as the dickens but the long and the short of it is that really all you need to do is if you're strong enough you just kind of push up against the top of that wall and you push on that with enough force to the outside so the answer or the freezing or arresting or the stopping of the movement is all that's necessary here Um, and generally what happens is once the breaks the cracks and the concrete occur it doesn't take a lot of um, stress to push that wall and keep it from going. So all of these methods that you describe are actually pretty effective um, because it's not, it's scary. I get you that. I, I grant you that. But keep in mind, there are a lot of ways to achieve that end. You are picking a company that you want to trust and be in business with for the next 40 years. That's what you're doing. If you're trying okay. to figure out which technology is superior, you're kind of barking up the right, the wrong tree because um, they all still need a little bit of care and feeding over the years. You know, every few years or if you sell the house, they'll be inspected generally by that company that put it in and the warranty reissued to a new buyer. So the point being that in this realm, I go to a very strong uh, reputation uh, and a strong company that'll be there to back up that guarantee or warranty. So you, you're following the consumer logic through all this? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. But let, let me ask a question, though, because, for example, I think the uh, the company that would go straight out and put a, an anchor in the soil, mm-hmm. uh, they will actually give you a wrench, yeah. uh, presumably once a year, twice a year, whatever, uh, you would be expected to go in and kind of tighten and make sure that that anchor in the soil is still maintaining the tension, okay? I understand that. Right. The, heli- the, 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 the companies that do the helical work do not do that. 
Plus, I got on the Internet, like I told you, and then there, I'm finding out that, uh, like, power, comp- uh, power companies have put up towers mm. and companies that stabilize lighthouses. They use the helical method, and then, but then, then they don't, you know, they kind of walk away from it, and that's supposed to be good enough to, you know, maintain the structural integrity of that thing. Sure, so, sure. Do, do you have to maintain the helical anchors like you do the soil anchors? No, because you don't. Basically, when those helical anchors go in, it's a great big screw auger, and right. they have PSI. So once that uh, screw or helical pier gets so much resistance, the reason it's hard to turn at the end is they hit solid soil. So they know when they've already hit solid soil, and when they put their nut on the inside, they're pulling it up. That helical anchor pretty much isn't going to move. If you fluff up the soil and dig up a plate, you're now having to tighten it up because the backfill uh, when you dig up soil, it expands 1.6 times its original volume. So that's why you have to keep screwing the other one in because you kind of messed up its base. Well, with a helical anchor, you pretty much screw that puppy in until it almost doesn't turn anymore. Just like you and I screwing in a wood screw, you know, it's when you get it in there tight, you know it. And you know whether it's, you know, getting a good anchoring bite into that wood or in this situation, the my preference personally is the helical anchors. Uh, I love them. I, I, uh, we've used them at Mosby for a long, long time. Um, and frankly, you know, those guys, when they're screwing those things in, they've got hydraulic meters saying, well, this thing is, you know, if you keep turning it too much more, you're going to shear the steel. Well, that means you found good soil. So my preference is the helical there. So does, does, does the fact that my home sits at, you know, we're sort of in a slope, okay, uh, mm-hmm. kind of downhill, which led me to feel like, well, maybe the soil could move. And if the soil moves, it's going to go downhill which is going to press against the walls of the uh, the basement. Yeah. So it's one method again better than the other one because if they're you know thinking that if I got a soil anchor there, and the soil is shifting down down slope, is that any worse or better than the helical helical anchor that is going at an angle? Yeah, Mike, you're well beyond because you're into moving sloughing soil, which indicates fill, and it will not re it, it will not hit the psi resistance. But your your theory is correct. We do have and you know have been involved in swimming pools sliding down the hill, houses sliding down the hill. Long and the short of it is, I do like the heel. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned. 